0: Yeah, yeah. Is Goal. Hi everyone, Podcast 77 from Football Danya is here. After a short break, we are back. So do hit the like button if you're glad that our podcast is back. Of course, we have been busy. Um, if you go over to our YouTube channel, we've been doing lots of stuff recently on the Dutch national team, lots of match reaction videos to the recent national team games. And also to the Ajax-Liverpool game too. So please, again, go to our YouTube channel and check those out. You may well be listening to us on YouTube today or SoundCloud or iTunes um, where we release our podcasts each time. I'm Michael Statham. I'm with Mike Bell. And um, yeah, it's, it's time to talk about the Dutch Eredivisie. We're six rounds into the new campaign. We've had plenty of questions in. Ajax, PSV, final will, of course, be covered, plus lots of other teams too. And the second half of the podcast will be devoted more to the Dutch national team. We've also had some questions in about that. Mike, I think even after six weeks of um, Dutch football just sort of going on now, we haven't had a podcast since, the, the first thing we need to talk about is something that happened yesterday. Ajax beating Ve Venlo 13-0, a record in the Eredivisie. And it was like a, just like a training exercise in that second half. Do you, do you take anything away from that about Ajax, or is that a complete freak?
1: I think you have to take a few things out uh, of it from Ajax's point of view. I think you look at Anthony's performance. Um, he was excellent on the wing, and you'd say that he was the big miss against Liverpool. And if they had him, they might have had more potency in the attack. Um, his crossing was excellent, and he took his goal well. Um, and then, yeah, you have to look at Traore's performance. I mean... Going into that game, a lot of people are still have doubts about Traore, including myself. You know, he takes a lot of chances to to score um, in previous games, but you know, you can't argue with five shots on target, five goals. Um, and you have to look at him getting more chances, especially in the Champions League. When you look at that game against Liverpool, they had the chances, he didn't take them. Um, it seems that Ten Hag now has attacking options, and then the third thing I take away is Mikael Camp's performance, for he was excellent as well. And he could be the man to replace you know, Kudus if he's out for months. You know, why can't he start next game against Atalanta in midfield? Because he was excellent as well.
0: That links in nicely to one of the questions I had for Matt on Twitter. He was asking who replaces Kudus on the Ajax eleven. Uh, will we see a more frequent Labiad? Well, Matt, um, from my point of view, and Camp did a good job against VVV uh, with his impact in the ten role uh, which is kind of replacing what Kudus was doing because Kudus had that energy about him in, in midfield. In my opinion, I don't think Ekelenkamp is the answer. Um, however, I do want to give Trey Alway a chance as a striker, which could mean that you're playing someone else behind him, such as Tadic, if Tadic isn't playing in the striker's role. It would be good for me to see Trey Alway in the striker's role for Ajax and then um, Tadic behind him and having promos out on the left wing Anthony in the right wing. Or perhaps Neresim on one of those wings instead. I just think that at the moment that they're they're lacking a bit of a bit of energy without without Kudus. And the way to go maybe is a bit more direct. Use Traoré's strength and attack. He's got great hold up play. We saw that against Veveve. Um And their defenders aren't 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 small, you know. Um, and it really brings a lot of those players into play quite nicely. That's what the kind of thing I I, I took away from that thirteen 0 hammering was that. Trailer could be the answer as a at up top because he just gives that nice focal point. There have been doubts in the past that he's lacking a bit of finishing, but for me, didn't against Veveve. Um, would you would you would you say Echel and Camp is the answer then, Mike? Because one of the other questions I had him was from Cam, and he was saying that the majority of Ajax fans are disappointed with Erik ten Hag's starting lineup choices and player positioning. Do you, do you feel the same way? Is he trying to make something work that we aren't aware of?
1: Yeah, I think. Um has started off the season getting some criticism for his, his lineups and he keeps chopping and changing them every week. So how can he actually have any rhythm when he doesn't seem to know his best 11 at all either? Um, I would give the Camp a chance. I think he earned it after that performance yesterday. I know VVV, if we look to them, say they were absolutely shockingly bad. Um, but I thought he did well. Um, I think he's done well for the under 21s when he gets a chance for the Netherlands as well. So I don't see why you wouldn't start him over somebody like Labiad, who I don't rate at all, and um, I think he got his chances for the middle error on this season, I didn't think he did well at all, um, whereas if there's a choice for me, I want to see Tadic in the 10, I think that would work but Quincy Promise has been so disappointing for me, I would keep Tadic on the wing, maybe try, try Traore and try Kettle Camp in midfield um, but yeah, I think Ayrton Hag, what he needs to do is quickly find his best 11 because he's not done that at all this season, you No, know, losing Kudis is a factor. I mean, that's he was looking like their best player before he got injured. Um, you know, having Anthony missing a couple of games wasn't wasn't great, but he's back now, so he has to start. But yeah, I think that Ten Hag needs to nail down his starting eleven. He's got his defense sorted. He just needs to sort his midfield and his attack and try and get some rhythm in there because he's not been able to do that at all this season. He keeps chopping and changing for the Air Division European games. You know, if you want to start with in the Air Division games, why not start him in the European games? Um. So, yeah, I think he just needs to, to make up his mind pretty quickly.
0: You stole some of those words out of my mouth then. You know, I was going to say that he needs to pick his best team as soon as possible, Ten Hag. The start of the season, in, in pre-season, he was putting Labiad as a striker. I don't think, in response to Matt's question, that's going to be the case. I don't think Labiad's going to come back into the eleven. Unfortunately for him, he did have some good good roles in pre-season against those bigger teams actually though i think it was against Hertha berlin and the striker story did really well but i think trail raise a better option as a striker or if they're going to play a false nine stick with tadic but yeah the uh, the thing that you repeated there mike for me was the defense the defense now seems to be there and i'm really glad that we're seeing perso's um starting every week for ajax he, he's a great center back and he's not uh making the mistakes like he was last season he seems really assured and someone who can take on what Matt De Delict was doing, a lot of his best attributes you can put into Skurs as well. And whilst they're not quite at the same level yet, he's a very good replacement finally for Delict. Particularly with his with his strength and his um the way you can boss the ball in the back four. He also brings the ball forward quite nicely which is a handy thing to have. And then yeah, you've got Masrawi, um, you've got Blintz, and you've got Tagliafico, and they're they're do, doing quite well as a unit. And um, in goal, Anana's still just being—it's uh, he's, he's just a proud, a, an absolute figure, isn't he? In that, in that, in that whole team. Anyway, yeah, I think the midfield's kind of sorted itself out now with Klassen, um Havemberg, and uh, Kudus was in that starting eleven as well. But now that he's not going to be in there, I guess it's going to be either giving Ekelenkamp a chance, and it, he has to really take it, or it will be someone like Promes or Tadej playing there. But yeah, in looking ahead to the Atalanta match, now if you listen to this podcast, you might have already played the Atalanta match. But just in general in the Champions League, Mike, what have you made of a level of Ajax? And are are they capable of beating the Atalanta? Are they capable of beating away, away and away from home and at home to progress? Or is this team still in transition and needs another year to to try and make the likes of Skurs as good as they can be ready for Champions League?
1: I think you can rate right? Ajax off, I think if in the second half, if Classen's shot doesn't hit the post, to get a, a well-earned draw against Liverpool. I think against possibly one of the best teams in, in Europe, possibly maybe one of the best team in Europe, They came so close to getting a point. Um, I know I think it's the Telegraph came out afterwards and said that Ajax couldn't beat Liverpool's B team. I don't think it was Liverpool's B team, just because you take off Virgil van Dijk, I think it's still one of the strongest teams in in Europe and I think that Ajax did really well against them so if you can do that against Liverpool, there's no reason why they can't do it against Atalanta who, you know, the past couple of weeks have slipped up a couple of times, I know that they hammered Michelin in Europe but, you know, they've they've lost the last two Serie A games quite easily and one against Sandoria at the weekend, I know he rested a couple of players but they are easily beaten in that so it shows that Ajax can do it Um, I think that Atalanta seem to do well against teams that they're, they raise their game against. I think that Ajax could be kind of an even game for them. I think that it could go either way. I think if Ajax attack them through um, Anthony, then I don't see why they can't sneak something against them. Um, but yeah, the Michelin games now are the two big ones, I think. Because if Atalanta won so easily in Denmark, it means that Ajax need to win there as well. Um, if they don't do that, then there's no way they're going to finish say second in this, this group table, I think. Tuesday's game is probably a must-not-lose for Ajax. I don't think it's a must-win yet, but it's one that they can't really afford to lose because then they drop possibly six points behind both Liverpool and Atalanta and that's probably a gap that they probably can't make up. So a draw, I think, in Italy would be a good result um, after losing against Liverpool. But, you know, I don't see why Ax can't win. They've got young players, but they've got ones that have experience like Blind, Onana, Fico, Klassen now. I think it's been excellent since he's come back to, to Ajax. I think they have enough to win these games. They just need to go out there and do it. And I think we'll see a better Ajax on Tuesday because of Anthony being there. I think he makes such a difference to the side.
0: Plenty more to come on the Football only podcast, including the Dutch national team and the Eredivisie as well. But first, Mike, I want to move on slightly from Ajax and talk about European teams. Still, PSV, Feyenoord, and Arsenal have all been involved too. Um, what have you made of PSV starts for season, Mike? And there's a question from Abdul, which was, uh, "Why were PSV so bad against Granada uh, in, in the Europa League? Can they bounce back?" We haven't actually spoken on the podcast, at least, about the impact of Mario Goethe since he's come in. Daniel Marlin's had a decent start to the season two. He looks like he's coming back to that kind of play that he was um, before his big injury. Um, wh- what have you made of, 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 of the new manager? What have you made of, of PSV as a whole this season?
1: I think I got swept up in a bit of the hype after the, the PECS ball game. Um, I think that that was the first one that we saw good. So we saw basically Schmidt's vision and his narrowly full-strength team and... Um, you know they swept Peguero the aside, and then I was kind of rubbing my hands together, thinking, "Oh, this is the PSV that's going to sweep the league and that can go far in Europe." And then against Granada, they just seemed to look so lacklustre. They seemed, you know, the Spanish team just got at them constantly and, and made them look quite average. Um, and all good to so put them in the lead. Um, I think if he maybe had stayed on the pitch for the second half, to might had a different result. But yeah, that second half, they just collapsed. They had nothing going forward. Um, you know, Mallon couldn't get a ball enough. Um, Madiwaki didn't really have an impact off the bench. Um, and defensively, they were so poor. And Granada has got at them constantly. Sengara in midfield kept losing the ball. Dumfries was, was too far to pitch. He kept getting exposed on the left. Um, yeah, I think that was a very worrying performance and they followed up with another loss this time against the and you know, you could argue that PSV were possibly, after Goethe said, and we're missing the second most influential player, and that's Cody Gakpo. I think he's started the season on such good form that you notice when he's not there. Um, he adds something more to the attack. He scores goals. He gets assists. He, he runs at defences. He creates stuff. He's basically an all-around attacker who's been so key to, to PSV this season. And when him and um, Goetz aren't there, they look a lot less than what they are when they are in there um, I've, I've got PSV as my favourites to win the title but you take Gloots out a team, you take Gakpo at the team, they, they seem to be missing something and defensively they can get a bit muddled up sometimes. I don't think that, I think PSV fans were expect them to sign another centre-back when Bamgaro didn't eventually leave for, for Fulham, he sort of stayed and that got put on the back burner but I think defensively they look suspect going forward, I think if they can get a full strength attack out there they should be fine, but yeah, I'd be worried after the last two performances that maybe this PSV team aren't as solid as I thought they were going to be. Um, but yeah, I think they should still have enough to get out this Europa League group. I think Ammonia and Nicosia aren't anything special and Pauk, the Greek team, aren't anything special, so I still see PSV getting out of the group. But I think that the results against Granada and Vitesse especially have kind of brought them back down to earth from being runaway Eredivisie um, one to watch to being something slightly less and now it's more of an evenly matched with Ajax.
0: It's great though that we've got this title race going on. It's it's nice that Ajax aren't firing just like they were in the 18-19 season where they ran away with the league really. Um, just how much quality they had. and um, PSV are are full of quality but they're going to have ups and downs like Ajax, like Feyenoord and it's going to make for a great season. Vitesse being up there too by the way, just got to take my hat off to the way they played against PSV, they just made it very difficult for them and I thought that the battle of the, the German managers and it, it was interesting to see Thomas Lech come come out on top. Um, yeah, Lucas Schmidt for me, he's, he's, he's come to shake up PSV as a club hasn't he? He's got all these attacking weapons at his disposal, lots of midfielders. Um and he's playing a 4-4-2. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think it really leaves the defence a little bit um particularly in the wide areas, with the 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 attacking midfielders that are playing so high at the pitch, they, they can't quite help the fullback quite so much. And it just means that they're always conceding chances. Against Pates, they yeah, the defensively or, defensive organisation was kind of out the window. It's, it's little things like when, when they signed the goalkeeper and Vogo, they wanted someone who could play out from the back. And he, in his few, first few games, he made two 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 big, big errors, didn't he? Just from playing the ball out from the back. And it it just put egg on the face of Lucas Schmidt. The fact that he tried to search, sign a goalkeeper to stop this kind of thing from happening. And then look what happens. Do you think it's going to take a while tactics-wise with PSV? Because I, I just feel like they've got the players to, to go out and, like you say, win the league at a counter. <laughs> if they're all fighting, firing and um, playing well in this this formation. But they just haven't adjusted yet to what Schmidt wants. And in the back, they're playing like full-back to centre-back. It just means it's a little bit disorganised.
1: Yeah, I think that the players are going to take some time to, to adjust to what Schmidt wants. I think it's interesting when you take the fact that the two teams that have dropped points against the the Nardivisie both have German managers. I remember when they drew with Heracles... Um, their manager, Warmouth, came out and said that he knows Schmidt's tactics, so he knows how to, to frustrate them. Um, that was interesting. Again, today they came up against a German coach and they were, they were frustrated. Um, so that's maybe one to watch for the rest of the season. But yeah, I think it's going to take some time for them. But again, today I think that they were missing some key players. I think Rosario has been excellent so far this season. Um, I know he gets a lot of grief from. Some fans, but I think he's been great since Schmidt came in. Gakpo has, has been great and Dumfries is, is a big miss when you're playing somebody like Marrow Jr. At, at right back. Um, I think that once PSV get the full strength squad, fit and firing, then we'll see a much much better side. Um, again, I had to run, he's struggling in this formation. Again, he was given another chance today. I didn't think he was that great. Um, so something, you know, something needs to click with him, and needs to somehow figure out how he can get the best out of him in this formation. But yeah, I mean, it's just gonna take time. I think maybe a month or two down the line might see the best of PSV.
0: It might well be that we've seen PSV put in six, seven goals past a team, that um, like Ajax can, but just not yet. I think there'll be some games coming up. They've got loads of good home games that they'll probably win quite easily. They need some bigger away tests like this test match to see how Schmidt can respond. In the Europa League, though, they've got to get the rat together pretty quickly because um, Ammonia next on the horizon and then there's games. Um, it, it, they're, they're so congested at the moment. I just don't know if it suits PSV trying to get out of that group. So that's my concern for them. Um, and that comes back to the question we had from Abdul, that, you know, can they bounce back in the Europa League? I'd, you know what? I, I'm being a bit pessimistic at the rally at the moment. They can blow teams to the park with their attack, but they just seem so disorganised in defence at the moment that... I can't see them winning games two two 0 They're going to draw them two two just because of the way their defense are. Um, the another challenger for the Eredivisie this season are Feyenoord, and like PSV, really, they've just got they're going going waves. There's, there's weeks where you think, wow, final with Steven Burkhouse scoring the goals, they've got a chance, and then there's other weeks like like this weekend where they draw with RKC Varviken, and then you're thinking, actually.
1: They're nowhere near. Yeah, final one is strange because that's three results in a row, three draws. And um, you know, Dick Advocat gets all praise because they're unbeaten since you know last year. Um, but yeah, in the attack is sometimes looks so wasteful. You saw in midweek against Daniel Zagreb, they should have won that game comfortably, but Brian Wilson fluffed two big chances, and you know, Stephen Bergkamp missed his penalty. Um, and they just have those weeks where they seem to, to drop points in games that you're expecting them to win. You know, like last weekend at a sport, spot at Rotterdam, this weekend it's RKZ Valwijk. You know, on a different day, Feyenoord beat these teams 3-4-0. But they just seem to have these blips that prevents them from winning games. And this is why they can't challenge for the title. Um, because they just drop points in games that they should be winning. They have a strong enough team to, to build those these teams, but... Yeah, they somehow just don't do it. And you can't really put your finger on it because their attack should be good enough. Their defence should definitely be good enough with Sanasi in there. He's, he's a wonderful centre-back. low and goals is an excellent goalkeeper. And they've got the full-backs. Um, but yeah, just something's just not clicking for them and they're not winning games.
0: Justin Bylow is a good shout. For me, he's been a standout player this season. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bilo, Mike? Because I, I really fancy him to get to get a role with Aranje in a probably... The next year or two, I think he could really have a good shout to be the regular goalkeeper there.
1: Waiting for him to become the number one eventually in the next few years, I think he, he will take over from Silas and I think he's the best young goalkeeper in the I think Joel Dromo at FC20 is another one that could eventually get called up to the national team, but I think he'll do that once he gets a move away from 20, it depends on where he goes next. Um, I think Bio has been excellent this season. He comes up with big saves and big key moments. Um and yeah, I want to see more of him. I think that, you know, he's right now he's stuck with the under twenty ones. I don't know why he's not called up. Um I think if you've seen what Bzot's been doing recently, I don't think he deserves it. Um I think why not just bring up bio for the experience. I think he was in an under twenty one squad last time around but pulled out. Maybe that's because he doesn't see himself as an under twenty one goalkeeper and he's quite frustrated that he's not getting a chance in the never everyone's team at the moment but I think if that's the case then you just kind of take the games you can get with the under 21s because that's the way you force yourself into the the full team you know Coop Miners has done it you know Bio can do it next but yeah if I was Frank Debray, I'd definitely be giving a call up oh,
0: I don't know about you Mike but I love the the, the the Thursday Europa League evening so I love seeing PSV final and RZ competing against those other teams um, it's also a great stage to see them playing at their best and seeing who out of these teams has those players that can go on to that next level. Out of these then, PSV, find on RZ, now that we've seen a bit of them this season, we've seen them in their first game in the Europa League, how do you see them all going? I mean, just take, for example, RZ, Altma with their win against Napoli, looking defensively so much more secure than they have been. Do you, do you fancy them to go on and now get out of that group? Same goes for find and PSV. Do you, do you reckon they're going to get out of their groups?
1: I'd definitely fancy PSV to get out of their group. I think that, I'm hoping that the Granada game was a blip and to will improve this week against Amonia Nicosia who nine times out of ten you say PSV will beat. Um, Feyenoord, I think, I have a great chance of getting out of it. I think Dino Zagreb was a tough away game um, and Feyenoord bossed them. Um, I think that showed that they can battle CSK Moscow for the the top of this group, and AZ was the one that I had the biggest worries about, especially given their form so far this season, Um, and the fact that their squad was so ravaged by by coronavirus. And that win against Napoli's totally changed it. I think that they now have a great chance if they can win their home games. I think if they win their three home games, then they're through. Um, Yeah, the win against Napoli was totally out of the blue. But yeah, they got their tactics right defensively were excellent. I think bruno and he was fantastic at, at the back and um, and david he just has the qualities of a striker i think he's he's good in the air he's he's good with chances when it, it falls to him in the box and i think he's got that finishing quality Um, to be a number nine so i mean he got one chance he took it and you know, to get away with a, a famous victory so i think that if they can beat but Jekyll I think that's a tough game. I, I don't know much about them. I don't know if they're they're strong. I think that's a tough one, but if to beat them home and away and get wins against Real Sociedad at home, then yeah, I don't see why AZ can't get out of the group now because they're gonna take so much confidence from that that win over Napoli.
0: A different team completely. I hope that honest slot can turn it around for them um and they can have a really good campaign still. Because they struggled and Quite a few teams have struggled so far this season in the Eredivisie. There's still teams without a win. I um, said one of those, uh, as I'm currently talking. But yeah, there's... Oh, goodness. Yeah, from Peck's Swallow down, really, there's 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 teams that haven't really found good form yet. Um, is there any one that you're thinking, God, they're in for a long season? I mean, I know at the start of the season, we said that Ardo and Eke are probably going to be down there. Um, and AKC have had have had a good start. But Ardo, for me struggling um, Sparta Fortuna Emin uh, and Fortuna like they're in for tough campaigns who do you think is going to be in for a tough one yeah I think
1: that for me I think Sparta and down have been a bit unlucky I think if you look at the last few weeks um, they should have beat Feyenoord they had that chance at the end that bio saved the did really well to come back from 4-0 down against AZ um, today they probably would have beat Heracles it wasn't for a moment of madness from their captain. I was sorry, got sent off. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, they're close to, being, to getting their first win in the campaign. I think that they might be all right, but I would be have big concerns about Adel Den Haag. Um, let's see what they do against AZ tonight. Emin looked very really poor. Fortuna Sertada looked very really poor. And I think you now have to put Veveve into that category because what they showed against Ajax was, was diabolical. Um, I mean, if I was a fan of them, I'd be absolutely fuming at that performance against Ajax. You could say Ajax is capable of beating anyone, but yeah, 4 0 down at half time, then down to 10 men, they totally threw in the towel and just gave up. We um, didn't show any fight against Ajax whatsoever. Um, and yeah, I think if this continue to play all that throughout the season, then they're probably one of our favourites to go down. Them, Ado, and I think RKC. I've done really well in the past few weeks. I think that they signed well. I think, oh, John's actually a pretty good sign for them if they get them fit. Um, I was expecting them to be rock bottom again, but they're actually showing some fight. Whereas teams like VVV, Ado, Emin, Fortuna, so they're all pretty bad. Um, So I'd fear for all of them at the moment.
0: For me, I hope that Emin and Fortuna can turn it around. Um, Two really good clubs. But... They haven't yet been able to bed in the new players, particularly at Fortuna Sittard. They've had a lot of um, new signings. They're, they're good players there. They just need a bit more time. But I feel that their coach might not get the time um, to, to to see out these results. I think they've got some really tricky games coming up, Eminem and Fortuna. Um, when you're that a win, you don't want some really tough games against the top three, top four teams. So um, that was the guys down the bottom. Villain for example when mid table at the moment I'm sure they have, they're going to be fine they're going to be fine this season but they haven't really got going yet and for me it's just that they, if the new goalkeeper Rauta is not great um, he's had a long time sitting on the bench at PSV and yeah just going forwards as well lacking a bit of fluency at the moment which is a shame because in those Europa League qualifiers it looked like they're going to go in for a really good season um, but yeah no further at the table who who's caught your eye so far, Mike? Is the obvious one to say uh Vitesse and Hedenvein? I mean Hedenvain had a really difficult summer but signed some decent players and they, they've hit the ground running and they're they're currently fourth on the table. But Vitesse as well, I have been such a good fa- such a big fan of Osama Tanana playing behind the strikers and he's so creative. It's good to see him back at his best after a failed time in France. Um, but also their their new setup, it just seems to be flummoxing Dutch teams. They just don't have how to put up with this new formation that's quite expansive, and and creates lots of chances. Um, yeah, who have been the standouts for you so far?
1: For me, I'd say the tests are the obvious choice. I think that the coach can going playing really well. You've got Bazor at the back. He's been a revelation I'm at centre back, having him as a ball playing. Defender has worked out brilliantly. he um, pick pick up wins left and center. I think he's just got the best of his players so far and I think that they're on to watch being impressed with, with Heronvane. Um I'm a huge fan of Joy Veerman and I think he's been excellent so far this season. And up front, Hank Veerman has added the goals and I think that they're an outside shout for a European playoff spot. The other team that I'd say is doing doing well is Cronigan. We're not seeing enough of Iron Robin yet, but even without him, they're picking up wins and points. And you know, I had them as being the team that would get into the European playoff spots because of Iron Robin's influence. But at the moment, they don't really look like in need them him. I think that they've got other ones in attack that are, are doing well, and they've got a good group of youngsters as well coming through. And um, so, I've been impressed with them. Um, so yeah, I think there's three or four clubs outside, you know, the original top three, four, that have done well so far this season. I think that Vitesse is the one that you look at and think, how far can they take it? Because you know, getting their first win against PSV at home for over 23 years, that's going to give them such a boost. Um, they've got goals on the side, their defence is good, their midfield's good. And as you say, they've got somebody like Tanan, who didn't even play today, who's coming in to add creativity. So, yeah, it's definitely a side that can go, go far.
0: There's lots of exciting things about the test. And the fact that they played so well without their, their key man today just shows you that they, they could have the potential to go further. Um, and as for FC Groningen, the way that Danny Bau sets them up, they're just so sort of sound defensively. And um, that means that they can then have these top eight finishes and see, see where they go, see if they can finish any higher. Because they don't have lots of talent in attack. And like you say, without Ian Robin as well seventh isn't a bad start out of his first six games just a quick note on i and robin i really hope that he can get fit and play just because it's it's so frustrating being being an area fan then being so excited that robin comes back and thinking wow kony could be in for a good season now because of this and he's played how many minutes of one game no two games but he's just been a bench player hasn't he pretty much
1: yeah i think he's he's one of his players that I hope it's not the case but it seems to be that if Groningen have a big game coming up he might feature whereas somebody like Fortuna Sittard, they're probably thinking oh, i we win it without him, so we just won't risk him. Um, but yeah, he, you know, against PSV he obviously came off injured and to basically treat him up and basically wrapping up in cotton wool because you don't want to get injured again. He um, came off the bench against Utrecht for, say, 10-13 minutes. There's actually a point against Utrecht where he cut inside and I mean shocked the whole crowd by actually passing. Well, not the crowd, but uh, anyone watching the game by actually passing the ball instead of shooting. Um, so he's changed a bit. Um, but yeah, that's what I see him play. I want to see him start games. I see him playing against the teams that are going to win. Because um, you know, I and Robin up against the defensive a Fortuna-Sittard or an AK- RKC, it's going to be terrifying. And that's the kind of games I want to see him because the ones that, if Groningen drop points, and then they're not going to make the European playoffs. And that's the ones that he needs to play. And he can't just play in the games against the Ajaxes, Feyenoords, PSVs, Utrecht, Vitesse, because that's not the ones that Groningen really have a chance of winning. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been disappointing so far, but it's still a long way for, for Robin to come into it.
0: Now, speaking of Robin and the Dutch national team, we're going to finish this podcast by answering some questions that we had in about Aranya. Of course, if you um, are a big fan of our podcast because we're Dutch national team, we've been doing lots of reaction videos recently to the, the recent game. So if you haven't um, checked those out, please do go and do that on our YouTube channel. The first question that I'm going to answer um, with Mike is going to be from Wazza. And it is... Should we not always be starting Coat Miners, particularly if um the Netherlands decide to play three at the back?
1: Um not necessarily. I think that, you know, somebody like Coatminers, Miners is still young. I mean he'll come into the team eventually, but say if you're gonna play three at the back, you've also got the option of moving Daily Blind into the centre, you've got other options that Frankborough could use. And I don't think he's automatically gonna just plop um good miners into the central defence. Um, I don't think he'll do that. He doesn't take enough risks as a coach. I don't think he's gotta do something. I don't think he's got the tactical nouse to make it work. Um so if you gotta play three at the back with say a non usual one like Ake or um Devry Van Dyke or Delict it's gotta be somebody like Daily Blend or God forbid uh, Joel Veltman.
0: Um yeah, no, Veltman He's still getting into the squad, but so is Babel, so is Strootman. Um I think there's actually a question with that in just a minute. But just on the Coat Miners one, another one from Abdul. Don't you think that Coat Miners and Calvin Stengs deserve to be starters in Adania? And I guess the answer to that doesn't depend whether they start or not, because Frank de Boer probably wouldn't be considering that in any case. But Coat Miners definitely um, showed a very good uh, game against Mexico, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I really liked what it's all from him against Mexico. I think he was, for everyone's in that game, he was probably the best player on the pitch. And that's why it's frustrating, where it's a friendly match, De Boer uses him. he plays well, and then he keeps him on the bench for the next two games that are competitive. Um, that's the frustrating thing, because, you know, the Netherlands can, Netherlands can draw games or lose games, but if they give youngsters a chance and actually show some progression, then you can kind of forgive De Boer, but, you know, drawing against, Italy in that last game, but bringing Babel on for you know, the games against Bosnia as well, you know, it's it's not what you want to see and it's kind of just what you expect from De Bruyne, somebody that's not going to come in, take no risks um, and just play boring football. Um, and bringing Babel off the bench when you need a goal, is, to me, is shooting yourself in the foot. So yeah, you want to see De Bruyne take more of a risk and bring on somebody like Stengs, but I don't think Stengs' performances so far this season have warranted a starting spot. I don't think he's been that great for his edge. We can say, yeah, he's a definite starter. Um, for me, I hope he becomes a definite starter because I want to see him playing really well because I think he's got something different. But yeah, I don't think he's been on it so far that we could say he's going to be a starter. And then if he does start for everyone's, then you're going to get people in the Dutch media saying maybe he's been a bit favouritism towards his, his son-in-law because, you know, Stengs is going out with his daughter.
0: That yeah, would be quite a story, wouldn't it? <laughs> if he was getting picked because of that, um, but that's this thing about about the choices for the squad. Question from at R J N Huskies: What would it take for Frank de Boer to stop calling in players like Valtman, Babel, Stroatman playing Luke de Jong from the start and a full match as well? It's just horrible decisions that he makes. Your thoughts on that, one Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been saying it for ages. Why does Cummin keep picking these players? Why? They picked before that. Why are they picked now? There's got to be a reason for it. It seems to be that the Boer said for it is because of their influence in the dressing room. Both um, stripman and Babou are part of the players' group that speaks to the KNVB. Um, they seem to be the experienced heads in the squad. That's probably why they're getting picked. But I mean, I don't. See, I generally don't see the point. Of Kevin Strootman um, in the squad he didn't play any minutes during the last three games now if he played to friendly he could be outright like, that's fair enough he's actually playing but he doesn't play for Marseille he doesn't play and he gets called up it's just it must just be so, so influential in that dressing room that we don't see it because what is the point of Conor to not play him um, in any of the matches at all there's gotta be a reason for it but we just don't get to see that reason and um, and you've got a thing that the only way he's not going to get picked is if young players come through and start performing on a regular basis, um, because players that are coming through right now are kind of making it easy for De Boer to keep picking them, because there's not really anyone that's really, really standing out across Europe that's taking that place in under-21s. You know, Joey Vierman's doing really well for, for Herringvein, but because he's at Fran De Burr's not going to pick him. Um, like I said, De are they going to get an Everton Scott? Probably not. Like likes of Gus Till, Tony Villahana, um, even Mikael Vlapp at Anderlecht, he's not injured, but other midfielders that are coming through aren't exactly performing at a level where they're going to get called up to the national team. So until that happens, they are still going to get calls for um, Bowel or Strutman, because young players around Europe just aren't doing it. You know, Dilrault's doesn't play for here for Berlin, um, Dan Juma is now playing in the championship. You no, know, Noah Lang just joined Cooperation. You know, he scored this weekend, but they lost. So, you, know, you, need, you need these players to start performing week in, week out for them to make a change. Um, Chong, even he's not getting a game for Bayer Bremen. So, yeah, we need to see these players playing well on a regular basis before they come into the squad and, and take the place of these older ones that seem undroppable at the moment.
0: And, and a question from Tabe that says, do you think that Sam Lammers and Mitchell Bucker deserve a chance in the squad? But I think that the answer to that is the same as what you were just saying because Lammers has only just joined Atalanta and Backer's second, third choice left back at PSG.
1: Yeah, um, you know, Lammers got a chance to start for Atalanta yesterday. Yeah, so he got a hauled off after 45 minutes. Um, yeah, you need to see his players playing regularly and scoring goals in the case of Lammers. And for Bucca, he started again for PSG, got another assist, but every single time I praise backer on social media, I get hundreds, of, not hundreds, but what was a message basically saying, he's very average, he doesn't play very well, and um, he's only there because PSG don't have anyone else to replace him because I think Kurzawa, who plays regularly, is suspended in League One, and Bernat's out injured for a, a longer period, so a lot of people are saying he'd be third choice if PSG had a full squad up. Um, but I see things in backer that I quite like. I think he's quite strong. When I saw him play for the under-21s recently, I thought he was, he was excellent. So I, I don't see why everyone has such a problem with him. But I think eventually if he holds down that PSG slot and performs regularly, gets goals, gets assists, and I can't see why he wouldn't come into the to the running. But when you got Daily Blind and you got Vindal, I think right now he's probably third-fourth choice. Left back because you've got ones like Paddy Van Aanholt who can't get into the squad.
0: Well, Mike, I, I'm not in full agreement about the backer, but I do like him too, and I think yeah, some of the criticism you're getting on Twitter was a bit unwarranted, just because he's a decent left back. Um, I still think Vinedal is a better option in in future at left back, but he needs to really put in some strong performances for us again, because I thought defensively he's looked a bit suspect so far. Um. Yeah, I mean, the future looks bright. Still, there's still lots of players that are gonna they're gonna come into this team and, and, be, and be brilliant. And we won't have to talk about all of these fringe players, all these guys in their you know their early twenties who haven't really kicked on. There there are players out there that are gonna really do well in this team. It's just not they're not ready yet. Um, and it's still it's still not as if they're gonna be in the generation which is after Frank De Jong. Frank De Jong's only young. There is still a gold generation to be had out of this team. Um, so I'm not I'm not concerned about that, but we just need to make sure that the likes of Bolo, the likes of Vindal, that they are um, given the time that they need to get into the team, and they will be starters eventually. The final question we had was about Van Dijk and who's the right replacement for him. Do you still think that that Stefan De Vrij and um, Matthijs de Ligt is a good partnership going forward?
1: Yeah, I think that the two of them need to be Netherlands. First choice centre backs without Van Dijk. Um, yeah, I think in the Nations League then two will eventually be the players that play together. Um, I know Delict's quite close to coming back for Juventus. If he doesn't come back soon, then I'd like to see possibly Persker's in there. Um, I think it'll be Veltman again, God forbid, but I think it will be him. Um, Nathan Aké, I think he was out injured this weekend for, for Man City. I don't think he's done very well for Man City so far. Um, I think he comes into it. But, yeah, I think it, the youngsters coming through will be Perscars. But, I think, hopefully, Van Dijk's back for the for the Euros. I think he's still far away enough for him to recover in time um, and play his part in the Euros. But, say he doesn't, then, if you're going with two centre-backs, it has to be De Bruyne and DeLict. With Aki as backup,
0: and a, and a final point on um, potential selections, I recently kept an eye on Jeremy Freenpong, and I think that he's a good player, but for me, no one in the national team yet. Dumfries is a much better option. And Pong strikes me as someone who's still learning the trade as a defender, and he's still um, a winger that's being played at right back. And when you're playing for Celtic, I guess your main attributes as a fullback are how you get forward and not so much how you defend um, but yeah for, for me Frimpong isn't one either at the moment for the national team Mike is there anything else you want to talk about on this podcast and we'll have to be sure to do one a bit sooner than the the recent gap we've had between our podcasts um, but yeah it's, it's been a good start to the season hasn't it in the OWZ and, and I'm, I'm sure that in time we're going to start learning who the main contenders are for the title
1: yeah it's been a, a fascinating start to the season know, just say coming into this weekend you'll say Ajax were the one that had a little blip, um, and PSV looked good, but now it's it's totally turned on its head. You know, Ajax are the ones that look the strongest. You know, they're at the top now, PSV have had their blip. and um, yeah, I think it's gonna be fascinating seeing them to juke it out for the title. I think that final start of the season has been been poor. I think that the games that they've had, for them to drop points and them, I think that's it's really poor and, um, you know, if they want to be title contenders, they should be beating Sparta Rotterdam, they should be beating RKC Valvite because if you're Ajax, you go away to RKC, you probably beat them 3-4 now, um, whereas or they're drawing. So that's kind of reason why I don't think they're now going to challenge. And um, so, yeah, I think it started teams like Vitesse and, and Heronvy have had have been really encouraging. So it's, it's going to be good to see them. Um, for the rest of the season as well. So yeah, there's so many fascinating stories in the Eredivisie, I think down the bottom as well. It was so tight, it could be five, six teams going down um, into that relegation battle. So yeah, there's just so many fascinating things so far in the Eredivisie um, and the performances in Europe as well, I'm, I'm intrigued to see that. You know, the, the win for AZs um, gave me so much more positivity because I think if they had lost, Ajax had lost, PSV had lost and Feyenoord drew, it'd be a, a horrible week. Um, but Now you look okay, at it, and you're actually quite positive because of that one win. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see how the rest of the games go as well.
0: And of course, we've got the Netherlands national team games coming up soon. Uh, Spain at home in November, Bosnia at home also in November, and then also a, a, Nash, a Nations League game away at Poland. And then it's until March. Then of course, so there's three good games coming up in November involving the Netherlands. We'll be sure to do some more content for you guys soon that are listening. Of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, do hit the like button and subscribe if you are new um, to Football Anya. And we'll be sure to do one of these again soon. Thanks for listening.